The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. This season, we're attempting the deepest dive that's ever been done on the disruptive organizations that are likely to impact the experience of healthcare consumers for years to come. For more provocative thinking, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about, you guessed it, Amazon's acquisition of One Medical. Amazon's leaders say that they see a lot of potential to both improve the quality of the experience and give people back valuable time in their days. Can they deliver on that promise now? I'll talk about that. Then Brian Callis is back in the house to share some key findings from Accenture's newest research about the metaverse in healthcare. There's a lot more going on in the metaverse that you might realize, and Brian's here to guide us through some of the key business opportunities that are emerging right now, as well as what's on the horizon over the next few years. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Well, you've likely heard the news by now. Amazon has signed an agreement to buy one medical for $18 per share in an all-cash transaction valued at approximately $3.9 billion. Acquiring one medical is part of Amazon's goal to reinvent healthcare, according to Neil Lindsay, their SVP of Amazon Health Services. Pay attention to Lindsay's use of language here. He says... Booking an appointment, waiting weeks or even months to be seen, taking time off work, driving to a clinic, finding a parking spot, waiting in the waiting room, then the exam room for what's too often a rushed few minutes with a doctor, then making another trip to a pharmacy. We see lots of opportunity to both improve the quality of the experience and give people back valuable time in their days. Fierce Healthcare reported that One Medical, which is not yet profitable, markets itself as a membership-based, tech-integrated, consumer-focused primary care platform. At the end of March, the company had 767,000 members. During its fourth quarter and 2021 earnings call in February, One Medical executives said the company planned to open 30 to 40 new offices this year in cities including Miami, Dallas, and Milwaukee. Now, as you can imagine, this news has taken the industry by storm. The Consumer First Health Group had a great discussion about it last week. Here are three of the hot takes from that discussion that stood out to me. First, is it really helpful to underestimate big retail? As recently as a few weeks ago, I've still had people telling me that Amazon didn't stand a chance at having a worthwhile play in healthcare. People still tell me that the disband of Haven a year and a half ago meant that healthcare is just too complicated for Amazon and big tech. And while, yes, it is complicated, I just think that's a short-sighted view and it gives us a reason to keep the status quo. Personally, I'd rather anticipate more big plays from big retail and be prepared for their next big move because it will surely come. 
as opposed to being complacent and caught off guard? Second, will this be the impetus for health systems to finally get support for improving their consumer experience? Some leaders hope that this will finally help their consumer initiatives get some traction. It's a battle to prioritize the consumer experience and build a case that it can be a competitive advantage, but announcements like this might help. Third, coopetition. It feels like this merger could topple some of the referral paths that health systems count on to feed their specialty care revenue generators. If we've learned anything from the rise of the United Health Optum conglomerate, it's that you almost have to be frenemies with the big players in order to get any slice of the pie. So before we label Amazon strictly as a threat, it might be wise to do some due diligence on how partnering with them might be your way of staying in the game. However you view this news, it's pretty clear that big retail is playing the long game and it doesn't benefit health systems to keep playing the victim card. We're going to see a lot more change. Ignore it at your own peril. It's time to recognize that consumer experience plays a role in your healthcare org's growth strategy and to start shifting our strategic priorities accordingly, or else all the marketing in the world can only get you so far. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up again for Brian Callis. Brian's the managing director at Accenture Health. He's a returning guest. And we're going to dive into Accenture's newest research about the metaverse and healthcare. Lots to dig into. But first, Brian, welcome back to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, Jared. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, What did I miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? Yeah, thanks, Jared. Maybe to build off this, currently I lead our health strategy practice, and within that I focus on growth and innovation. So today we're going to talk about our 2022 Accenture Health Tech Trends, which ties to that growth and innovation theme. And this is really about, you know, helping healthcare clients with new ways to create value and new ways to deliver value. Thanks. There's, there really is a lot, isn't there? I think, you know, probably a good place for us to start is... Some, some basic definitions. We are admittedly talking about some pretty forward-leaning areas here. So that always helps to just kind of calibrate us with some definitions when we talk about the metaverse. I'm using air quotes. The metaverse. It tends to be actually more than one location or place, if you will. But how would you define the metaverse itself? How do you refer to it? And how do you explain any type of business value to your clients? Yeah, I'll start by setting some context and then get to the definition question. If I set context, so what is our health tech vision? Each year, we release a report of trends we see impacting business and society, in particular healthcare enterprises over the next three to five years. This year is different. This year, we took a longer term view and we're looking 10 years out in terms of that. The key theme, as you mentioned, was the metaverse continuum. As we look 10 years out, we're starting to see that we're at the beginning of the next evolution of digital transformation. So the next decade of digital transformation, similar like what we saw, you know, 20, 30 plus years ago with Web 1.0. We're kind of on that first cusp. Now, the big theme and anchor theme of the trend report is the metaverse continuum. And that overall theme and that next evolution of the internet is what we're referring to as the metaverse and the metaverse continuum. So what does that mean, as you mentioned? So metaverse continuum really is a spectrum of digitally enhanced worlds that span across physical and virtual worlds. Now, what that kind of means is, why is this? Like, why not? What we're starting to see is that people's digital lives are increasingly becoming, you know, as important and in some cases even more important than their physical lives. And Maybe to your point of, it's also important to say, well, what is this not? So if I look at the metaverse, the metaverse is not a single technology. 
or a single place to visit in virtual reality. So great, what is it, to your point? What is the metaverse specifically? It's really a collection of technologies, and it's really a sprawling networks of sites and spaces that are starting to emerge. And we're really at that early days of that next evolution. What makes it a metaverse? Is it, I guess we hear it frequently referred to in like gaming environments, right? Where it's a place where you can have a digital presence, an avatar or something like that that represents you, that is customizable and you can meet with or socialize with other people or characters and it's persistent. So even if there's an upgrade or an update, software update to the site itself, like your presence is still there. You can purchase goods there. I mean, are those the types of activities we're referring to in these types of sites? Are, is there more to that? I'll build off this and kind of add more to the definition of metaverse, as you described there. We kind of view this as the internet of place or a new experience layer to the internet as one component. And then the second piece is the internet of ownership and a new data layer to the internet. So on the experience layer, as you mentioned, Jared, rather than viewing content like static content or even interactive content like we do today, we're increasingly going being having the opportunity to be present with it, whether that's digital content overlaid on the physical world or if we're fully immersed in VR interacting in that world. So that's one component. A second component tied to the Internet of Ownership or this new data layer is really where now data can move with the person and not the platform. It's a big shift in where data resides. Today, that your data may reside with multiple tech platforms and sites. This is a shift where it resides with you. And that has two big implications. One is on your digital identity. So it's the who I am in the digital world and the ability for me to be that same person across digital and physical space. So you can envision, you know, how can I use the same credentials to know that this is uniquely Brian going across different sites and spaces, and then even connect that up into the physical world, where if I'm accessing, you know, a sports game or so forth, being able to use those same type of credentials also is a big part of this paradigm. So let me get us started here in terms of like one of of the stats here that I've, that's available about from the report that mentions here, it says uh, uh, healthcare organizations are also gearing up for other technological advances. Uh, for example, more than 80% of healthcare executives reported that the number of Internet of Things or IoT and Edge devices deployed in their organizations increased significantly or even exponentially over the past three years. And then uh, one of the other leading stats is that 81% of healthcare executives expect the metaverse to have a positive impact on the healthcare industry. That's a very fascinating one to me. Either one of those that we want to dig into or get started with? Yeah, maybe with the first one of saying technology maybe being more reliable as an example to shaping strategy in that piece. What we are starting to see is, you know, there's a convergence of different trends. But one thing that is holding true is that the convergence of different emerging technologies are really consistently changing ways of creating value and ways of delivering value. In this current world, if we go with, well, what are the tech advancements behind and underlying the metaverse? Some of those you described in the second point. That includes things like augmented reality and virtual reality, blockchain and distributed ledger, artificial intelligence, and then things enabled by that, like cryptocurrencies and non-fungible tokens. To your other point, there is a question of, well, what's different in this world? Increasingly, we now have the ability to create digital assets and assign digital ownership of those digital assets. And that's starting to create new ways of thinking of different ways we can transact. If I go with a new business model that ties into healthcare, 
there's a company out there called Genopets, which you describe is a game. It's it's similar to if you recall Tamagotchis, those physical pets that you could digital pets that you could carry around on a physical keychain and train and feed to live. Well, it's a version of that in a metaverse platform. So what's unique about it? One, it's listed at it's a decentralized application. So that application is actually on is built off of blockchain technologies and has shared ownership. The interesting thing is its business model. It has a move to earn model. So and Genopets to how you can keep your tech Tamagotchi alive or how you can keep your virtual pet alive is it links to your Apple Health Kit or Google Fit accounts and your movement help keeps your pet alive. So take that and so you're seeing how the physical world and the virtual world are starting to come together. And it's really advancing and evolving these different ideas that have been explored, but in a very different way. Now, what do you get? So by doing that movement, you also will earn these digital assets, which have the potential to be sold on marketplaces and to create value beyond your interaction with that game or that experience. So there, there's a lot there. I think uh, what's really interesting is the the business applications of a lot of this. I'm reading again you know, about a summary of the report, and it it mentions that there were... Uh, four technology trends that the report identified that will play a role in transforming healthcare for the next many number of years. They are, we can pick a starting point of any of these. They were WebMe, the programmable world, the unreal, and computing the impossible. Fascinated by these. Uh, what's a good starting point? Do you want to just go through those in order? Yeah, so let's, yeah, let's go in order. And with WebMe, we've kind of covered a lot of aspects of WebMe. WebMe is really that broader expression of the metaverse and the metaverse continuum. If I build off that one a bit and then we move to trend two, there is a bit of, we've seen this before, you know, and we actually have a lot of metaphor and analogy to help prepare for this future, specifically with the internet. So like the internet, the metaverse is a collection, a sprawling network of both sites and spaces. Okay. The other thing is, let me just kind of paint a picture for you on a use case. There is a bit of a, imagine that there is a national health insurer that actually creates a place in a virtual world to both recruit new employees where you can meet up with that place. That same national insurer actually creates a space where you can virtually meet with a doctor to have a connection and figure out what's wrong with you. The interesting is that may sound futuristic. That happened in about 2006. So in the early 2000s, we've seen experiments of this. That was actually done in Second Life, where there was a national insurer that it was experimenting with the Second Life platform, which was a closed virtual world that actually had currency called the Linden, where people could buy and sell digital assets. And with that insurer, they used it for recruiting capabilities. Now, what's different now? That was way ahead of its time. Is that still happening? No. But there was some early stage experimentation. Now, what's different from some of the virtual worlds today is many of those were contained spaces. So you went to Second Life, and if there was currency, the currency stayed within that environment. And also those digital assets stayed within that environment and all interactions. What's starting to emerge and what's different is interoperability. Now those, your identity, your digital assets now can move from Second Life to Upland to Decentraland and all these other spaces and also connect into the physical space. Fast forward a bit further, I will go, what was one of the greatest maybe healthcare apps that was hidden was as people were walking around looking at virtual worlds, picking up things. Well, that goes to 2016 in Pokemon Go. There were actually a number of reports, if you look at it, how Pokemon Go caught people to get up, get active and move around. These are early stage signals 
that really shift into this new paradigm that has both interoperability kind of at its core and also digital marketplaces coming to play. But I think from that, there's enough on that one and we can kind of move to maybe trend two, which is programmable world. Programmable world, like if trend one is about those virtual worlds and so forth, programmable world is really about how technology is being threaded through our physical environments. So now our physical spaces have technology in them and what that means. Now, that turns the physical world into an environment that is both smart, customizable, and programmable in the physical space, similar to like you can do with technology. We list this as an evolution and three layers. Well, those first layer is connected, which really is about getting base connectivity through technologies like 5G, Internet of Things, and edge computing. The second layer then is experiential. This is where now that we have a connected physical space, we can experience things in a different way. And that factors in technology concepts like ambient computing, being able to use voice to interact with your environment, digital twins, as well as augmented reality. And then the third example is the material. And that is our physical you know, clothing or objects that have connectivity built into them. So some of this is happening today. So on the connected layer, you have Rush University and Emory that are working with telcos to 5G enable their hospitals to be able to unlock some of these use cases. On the experiential layer, you have the use of like Microsoft and Nuance related to using Ambient so physicians can talk and have the encounter captured and actually documented and interact with, with patients in a more human manner. And on the material layer, if you look at 3D printing of either medical objects or even organs, that's one element. You also have a company like NanoWare, which has physical clothing that has connectivity built into it that can be washed and so forth to ultimately help congestive heart failure patients. So I think with this one, you can kind of see how when we say metaverse continuum, it's this blurring, this physical world having connectivity, but then blurring into full virtual worlds and the ability to move back and forth between the two. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's Persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. 
We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. Yeah, it's really interesting, the back and forth, because I have a feeling the names of these things are even going to change over the next few years. And, and we're not even going to be calling them that thing. I, you know, going back to more of a, like a blockchain or, or a web three type technology, the, I, I've heard people referring to NFTs just saying, we won't even be calling them that, you know, at a certain point that'll be called something different. Some major player will come in and it'll just be disrupted again. And I, I'm like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Like we probably will refer to it as something else or we won't even call it that. But the, the being able to go back and forth, it feels like there will just be so many different applications and it's hard to know which of those will, will really prevail and gain traction and others won't. But the fact is, like you said, there's a lot of experimentation going on. Yeah, and that's a great point, Jared, because, I mean, if as we kind of shape this next evolution, if this works well, all this technology jargon and words won't matter. It'll just be about what the experience is. And that's increasingly if you take things like blockchain or non-fungible tokens, they'll really be enablers, you know, as an infrastructure behind the scenes. Any actual user won't have to worry about it. They'll just know that it works and it works in a different way. And now I can take my digital shoes from one world and move them into another world. I can then show those digital shoes in a physical space and unlock a physical experience in real life. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter that, you know, all the tech underpinnings. Trend three, the Unreal gets into really the Unreal qualities that are becoming intrinsic in artificial intelligence and data. Really behind this is two things. One is the concept of synthetic data and synthetic content. So to your point on definitions, what is synthetic data? Synthetic data ultimately is computer-generated samples with the same statistical characteristics as a real piece of data or an article. Ultimately, it's using technology or artificial intelligence to create data sets. Why is that important? Well, it's used to train AI data sets where real data is scarce or too sensitive, like medical data, to be able to use. And a big underpinning behind that is just the concept of generative adversarial networks in AI makes that possible. Okay, great. So let me give you some examples. So some of this is actually being in use today. So one example is Anthem is collaborating with Google to generate petabytes of synthetic data to ultimately use that to help with fraud, waste, and abuse detection, as well as better care management models. Now, the promise of this is that we can also create data sets that are more reflected of society and historically underserved populations as one model, as well as ways we can protect the privacy of sensitive data. And that is in, in practice um, today. We saw other companies like MD Clone and Syntegra also playing in this space, building art- these synthetic data sets to help with AI models um, and also you know, address areas of bias in data sets and training. So I'll pause there. On That's on the data side. Gosh, there's so many different directions that could go. I guess uh, it's really interesting. The report mentions that synthetic data can be developed to accommodate increased diversity to counter bias in the data. Yeah, and what it's able... So the promise of that is you would be able to take a small data set that is representative of a historically underserved population or need state. And then by using the AI techniques, you can generate large volumes 
of diverse data sets based off that pattern to actually then train AI models to reduce areas where you don't have enough statistical significance in the data set to do that. The other thing is you can do that while protecting and keeping the data privacy and secure because it's ultimately not, you know, synthetic data. It's not real people's information. So the other side of this, which is has both pros and cons, is um, synthetic content. And that would be those same techniques to create synthetic data can be used to create artificial representations of people's voices, their physical representation, as well as information. Synthetic content was often used to basically spread disinformation during COVID-19 as a way of spreading disinformation campaigns using artificially generated content. We also have cases where people have tried to impersonate other people to ultimately commit acts of fraud and get information or and get money, embezzle funds from other people. So there was an example of a father whose college-age son was traveling in Mexico. What ended up happening is a threat actor had grabbed a clip of that per- of his son's voice and actually generated it and used it to simulate a conversation with his father, asking for money and stating he needed help to get out of jail. And mind you, they, they figured it out because the pattern didn't make sense. But this is some of the crazy stuff we're starting to get into of trying to figure out because we can do it, should we do it? And how do we counteract this? Now, a key way to counteract this is really elevating authenticity. So getting clarity of, well, it's less on, is it real or not real? It's more, is it authentic? So really understanding what is the provenance of data and information? What are your policies? How do you manage things, whether they go wrong or are good? And then last thing, being clarity of purpose. And those things really help if you're a healthcare company, try to counteract negative uses that could be done. Fascinating story. I can only imagine we'll be hearing, you know, both the good and the bad, like you said, of, of the applications of these things. And that leads us to, uh, to, to the fourth and final trend in the report, which is computing the impossible. Do you want to tell us about that one? Yeah, computing the impossible is really, we're starting to see the next generation of computing capabilities come to market. And those new computing part capabilities ultimately allow lower cost ability with better, faster processing to solve problems we can't solve with today's computers. So there's three kind of classes of computers in there. So that includes high-performance computing, which really is computing like it's done today, just massively parallel. There's biology-inspired computing, and then quantum computing. But this is similar to like you stated, at the end of the day, if we do our jobs right, this won't matter to the end person. But it really says with this new computing power, we can now start to solve, you know, historically intractable problems. If I give some examples of, well, how is this, what's being done in market today? So Mount Sinai Hospital is working with Sandbox AQ, which is a Google spin out. And they're working with them on quantum computing and really looking at post-quantum cryptography. There's a big fear. A lot of the cryptography methods we have today that with this high computing power, has the potential to decrypt all of our sensitive information, whether that's medical records, financial, et cetera. So there's a lot of effort being done of figuring out what is that next stage of cryptography and how do we counteract that possible future? And Mount Sinai is working with Sandbox HQ on some post-quantum cryptography methods to ensure that the patient data they have can be secure in that world. And we're starting to see advances in that space. Another example is Anthem has been working with IBM around quantum computing as well. And they've been trying to use quantum computing for both fraud, waste, and abuse, as well as healthcare applications. Now, a lot of this is 
really early days in its thinking. And it's still, many of these are pre-production and early scale. Our kind of our ask here is like, watch this space and seek to experiment like you heard Mount Sinai and Anthem doing. An important thing about this area is it really also, well, if I give other use cases, this has the, the ability to work with other optimization problems. So if you were to think of how do I know that, how can I get a pharmaceutical to my house at the right time? How do I route the right pharmaceutical to the right home delivery at the highest efficient way possible? Or if you were to think of care at home, how do I make sure that I get you the optimal route to get the right care provider to your home in the most efficient way possible? Some of those optimization problems are wrapped around a concept called the traveling salesman problem that many of these new computing methods are able to solve. So at the best day, this is another one where if these start to evolve in advance, these are ones where when working well, you'll just see things work better. And you won't have to worry about it behind the scenes. Well, I think there's a lot of promise in that, and I'm glad you, uh, you've you've uh, identified that. You know, pointed that out because it's important for us to realize that there needs to be a certain level of comprehension of of how these things work. But you know, we don't have to get caught up in how things are being delineated or even delivered these days, because. If, like you said, if the outcome is really what it's promised to be, that's what we'll be focused on, and we will adjust life around it. That's kind of how I how I feel anyway. There will be things that we'll just start referring to them differently, or we'll just accept. I mean, look how Amazon's changed our world, right? You know, two day shipping used to be like the pinnacle, like the fastest thing you've ever heard, and now it's like, when is it going to get here by the end of the day? So. You know, two days almost sounds, it sounds, it feels slow now (laughs) in a lot of things and it's it's crazy. Exactly. And I think, you know, if you step back and we kind of look at the overall trend report, like we discussed, and we look at just the metaverse and all these different enablers as, as an example, there is a bit of a, well, where do we see things starting and how do we see this evolving? The good news is we have pattern and analogy by looking at the internet's evolution as one. And how do things likely start? The one is, Presence and awareness. What does that mean? That often is tied to branding and actually just putting a place in the ground. It's not very different, but let's say you are a healthcare brand and you currently have branding in a sports arena. Well, it's pretty easy to say, put that same branding in a virtual world that has a copy of that arena and you exist there. Not fundamentally different, but it's replicating what you've done in the physical world and putting some brand presence there to be relevant. Once you start there, that typically moves then into some sort of transacting in commerce. And that is, oh, well, could I recruit in this space or could I have some sort of transaction, whether it's purchasing a health plan or conducting a a different form of a video visit? That then evolves into actually more experiential or new type of business models where we're mixing physical connection and virtual connection. That's the stuff that's really new ways to create value and new business models that's out there. And frankly, none of us could, it's probably, it's really hard for us to imagine what those models will be. It's imagining prime back in 1998, right? It really is. It really is. That's a perfect example and perfect way to kind of uh, put a fine point on all of this. Uh, Brian, it's uh, it's great to just uh, take that look further into the future and understand what's coming and recognize that, yeah, like you said, we're in super early days right now. That doesn't mean we ignore things. It means we keep an eye on them. We do experiment where possible. We find ways to just get familiar with things like a visual presence of our brand. A great example there is really, really uh, I'm fascinated by the applications that could be possible. And I imagine we'll be talking about this for, for many years to come. Before we go, I wanted to make sure I gave our listeners a chance 
to know how to connect with you and where to find the report if they'd like to uh, have more information. Yeah, thanks, Jared. So it'd be great, you know, welcome the chance to connect with anyone to talk more about the report or just in general. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. You should be able to look just by searching for my first and last name. You should be able to find me. On Twitter, my username is B-K-A-L-I-S. And then to look for the full report, you should be able to just, one, you can go to Accenture.com and just search for the 2022 Accenture Health Tech Vision or type that in your web browser and you should be able to find it pretty easily. Fantastic. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes again. Hopefully uh, we'll we'll have you on again uh, with more. We'll just keep an eye on things. You know, We'll see where things go from here. But it's always a pleasure. Thanks for giving us a few minutes and so much to think about. Likewise. Thanks for the discussion. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.